Welcome to Chit Chat Money. This is our Thursday deep dive episode where we interview an expert on an individual stock. We ask them a bunch of questions and we try to focus on one company um, and go through the entire business. Today, we talk with our friend, Deval Kotecha, about the trade desk. Um, and he really is an expert in the space. So it's really good to get his takes on the business. Brett, did you have any highlights from the interview? Yeah, the highlights are just really the insights into why trade desk is winning, why advertising spend is going to them and the explanation of how all the technology works, because this digital advertising industry is a big black box for a lot of people. And I think after you listen to this, at least from my perspective, a lot of things were cleared up. So for anyone else, that's not an expert on the industry. I think a lot of stuff will be cleared up for you too. Okay. Before we get to the interview, we want to talk about our friends at Quarter. They are the investor relations app for all investors. It's uh, anything you want. So conference calls, transcripts. I've been reading a lot of my transcripts on there lately because a lot of the transcription services have been late to getting them up. So go to Quarter if you want uh, in, almost instant transcripts. But really what most people I think use it for is listening to conference calls on their phone. It's really easy. You can download it on iOS, Android. It's really, I don't know how you can get through an earnings season without it at this point. Um, and it's, its yeah, just basically it has perfect product market fit, I would think for our audience, um, but it's Q-U-A-R-T-R, no E. Um, you can also follow them on Twitter at quarter underscore app. Go ahead, check them out, download them. But without further ado, let's get to the interview. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Okay, today we are welcomed by Deval Kotecha. I believe this is your third time on the show. Deval is uh, an individual investor and he works in the ad tech space. So whenever we need a little expertise on advertising that we don't understand, uh, we usually go to him. Um, but today we're talking about the trade desk and I'll let you kind of get into what they do. Um, but could you also explain, I guess, just DSPs or demand side platforms for anyone who doesn't know just in general. So like, can you just give the basics of the business model? Absolutely. And it's a pleasure to be here, Ryan and Brett. Um, So yeah, like I would want to kind of go over the ecosystem first and like talk about the players, right? So you have publishers, which are the, the, like, basically they are the ones who create the content and that's the content that people go and kind of, watch or like browse right and they have those ad spaces that they need to fill in and what they do is they integrate with a supply side partner right so that's something called like say magnite pubmatic like those are the companies who are the supply side platforms and those supply side platforms are responsible to host an auction and they are sending those requests to demand side platforms and the demand side platforms are your trade desks right so the demand side platforms actually are working with an advertiser 
And those advertisers are the ones who are wanting to place those ads onto the user's device. So any ads that you see when you are browsing any particular website, those ads are powered by a DSP like a trade desk. Okay. Okay. I think that makes sense. Brett, do you have any follow-ups to that? Yeah. So I think to make maybe an example, who are like, okay, who are they buying stuff from? Can you give an example of who they're buying stuff from? And then can you give an example of who they're selling something to? Because I think people kind of get it because it's like TV, you know, TV suppliers or something like that, but maybe an example would help. Right. So again, if you see uh, the trade desk, they are integrated with the SSPs on one end, and obviously their customers are the advertisers or agencies, right? So what Trade Desk has is they have these MSAs, which are say master service agreements with these agencies and advertisers. So what the advertisers, they they are, so say for example, if Coke or Mazda or any other company who wants to run an ad, say for example, a 4th July campaign, right? So they want to run that campaign and deliver those ads on the user's device, basically they will go and run those campaigns on TradeDesk platform, right? And those ads will be delivered on the user's device. So basically the inventory is coming from the supply side partners and those supply side partners are your Magnite, Pubmatic, Index Exchange, uh, and say, uh, other exchanges as well, right? So uh, these are the, the few big ones, but um, they take the inventory from the supply side platforms and then kind of deliver the ads to the end user device. Okay, and, and then the end user is podcasts, CTV, um, digital ad space on the internet. Uh, is there any other, any other big categories? So basically, yeah, so audio, video, display, um, digital out of home as well. Um, so yeah, those are the spots and connected TV is obviously a big one. So yeah, like those are the places where people go to consume the content. And obviously those are the publishers, right? So that's where you will see those ads. And so Google and Facebook essentially cut those smaller players out. Am I understanding that right? That they kind of, they control both and the support they're kind of the supply, they're the SSP and the DSP if it's ads run through them. Am I getting that right? Yes. So Google, Facebook, those are categorized into the wall gardens right. versus uh, like trade desk, it will be your open internet, right? So with Google, Facebook, even say Pinterest, Snapchat, all those uh, social media platforms, right? Those are actually the publishers as well. And they are also running the ads, right? So in that scenario, you go to Facebook to consume the content and Facebook is also responsible to deliver the ads on their own platform, right? So uh, that's the difference versus when you talk about trade desk, they don't own the entire ecosystem. They are a part of that ecosystem and they just focus on the buyer side. And, and that's where the differentiator is, right? They are just, there's no conflict of interest there and they are just helping the buyers kind of help deliver those ads. Okay, okay that's a great overview, I think. And it's perfect that we are laymen in this, uh, some layman's here, me and Ryan in this industry. So I think everyone listening kind of gets the overview now, but let's get to trade desk specifically. There are plenty of programmatic marketing technology companies out there. What makes trade desk special and why are advertisers choosing them? 
Right. So if I were to pick, say, one key differentiator, right, that would be their platform and technology, right? So again, like there are other key differentiators as well, like their relationships with the agencies, which I would consider as as a as a big sort of differentiator. But the platform and the technology is the key here. And um, if you see, right, the number of exchange integrations that they have, uh, right now, that number of integrations they reported in their last 10K was 105. So they are getting that inventory, getting the traffic from 105 different supply side partners. And also, they're integrated with over 200 data partners, right? So now, the amount of traffic that comes in to their platform, they're processing around 12 billion, uh, 12 million QPS. So 12 million QPS is basically 12 million requests per second. And uh, these data partners, like the, the integrations with that, that kind of allowed to augment and enrich those requests so that their customers are able to kind of better decision on those bid requests. Now, why is that a differentiator? Because you must have heard about these iOS changes, which came very recently. And every company that kind of uh, was like, say, Facebook, Snapchat, they said, okay, they saw an impact due to, say, IDFA changes, because the IDFA kind of went away when these changes were implemented by Apple. Now, with companies like Trade Desk, they don't have to worry about it just because they are processing that 12 million QPS. Um, and from that 12 million QPS, say, impact was minimal just because they could, the advertisers could choose, say, from the 11 million requests that probably didn't even impact, have an impact due to, say, IDFA. And they could choose something from them and not worry about the 1 million requests that they were getting, right? So again, uh, these integrations on their platform and their platform able to kind of handle this amount of load uh, has been like so good for, for them, obviously. And uh, they have one more thing, which um, like the API integration. So Again, with Trade Desk API, what they could do, what an advertiser or any of their clients could do is they could kind of build their own UI on top of the Trade Desk API. So they could use the underlying Trade Desk platform to deliver those campaigns, but they could use their own UI, right? So they could. there's so much customization that could be done using the Trade Desk uh, APIs. Um, and again, like, that's being allowed by that platform and the technology capabilities, right? So that I think would be a key differentiator here. And do, so do uh, advertisers or agencies basically come to Trade Desk with a bunch of like criteria for who they're trying to target? And then it's kind of on the Trade Desk to do it. Am I getting that right? Uh, they have a self-service platform. So the the self-service platform is something where the clients get an access to the trade desk UI, basically. And uh, they have a client services team who would help them get kind of comfortable with their platform. But once they are very comfortable with navigating the platform, where exactly all the uh, things are on their platform, then the client would just be able to run the campaigns by themselves. They don't need any help from the trade desk client support team there. Okay, makes sense. And then what are, the, so there's, I guess, three products here. There's 
uh, I think it's Solomar or Solomar, mm-hmm. KOA and Open Path. Can you go into what each of those are? Right. So Solimar is the upgrade to the platform that they announced uh, last year in, in summer, right? So uh, the platform actually came with a lot of improvements. And again, like in the last uh, quarterly earnings call, they, they kind of mentioned the, the adoption numbers, right? So they mentioned that 50% of the traffic is now served by Solimar. So that's kind of huge just because it only is like six months um, into like launching a new platform. Uh, and again, uh, that's that's like huge in terms of adoption, right? And uh, with Solima, right, Trade Desk also uh, revamped a lot of things and especially like they, they created the most advanced measurement marketplace, right? So measurement is obviously you could measure like how this campaign is performing, right? And and again, like when you are kind of building those sort of tools, um, obviously you need to be able to uh, you need to be able to have those capabilities where you could put say precise campaign goals in in their platform. And like Solimar is is kind of helping the customers do all those things, right? And uh, obviously, uh, there's. There's other uh, tools like say Koa, right? That's their AI engine. And uh, obviously like with Koa, um, they talked about say the predictive clearing, right? So the predictive clearing specifically, right? Uh, would be where the clients could kind of go and set their campaigns and they would just have to enable a switch. And the platform itself will kind of increase or decrease the bid price on how they are seeing the campaigns win, right? So if the win rate is much higher, then they could say, okay, yeah, this is, we are winning at a, we couldn't try to lower the price so that we could kind of improve um, improve the margins here for our clients. And obviously they mentioned that they have been able to uh, save like tens of millions of dollars collectively for their clients just by, this feature of predictive clearing, right? And and that's obviously uh, tremendous. And like co-adoption on Solimar at this point is now over 90%, uh, and which is like nearly 50% higher than the legacy platform that they had, right? Um, obviously, then there's one more thing, which is their new data marketplace. And again, this was something that they talked about in, in the current quarter, like the Q4 that they reported. And uh, they are shifting from, say, a pricing model as well, right? So again, with the new data marketplace with Solimar, what they had was when the users wanted to kind of use the data, they had to pay a fixed price. And like Jeff Green, he talked about like paying a fixed price would be equivalent to a real estate agent charging someone a fixed price for say buying buying or selling a house basically without looking at the actual price of the house, right? So from, from that point, right? So with Solimar, especially with that new data marketplace, what they are trying to do is instead of the fixed pricing structure, they are going with a variable market, a variable pricing structure. And with that, like uh, with the variable pricing structure at this point, what they could do is they could add the fractional pricing as well. And with fractional pricing, what people could do is basically they can go in and, and pick, say, I want 
to use, say, the weather data. I would want to use the gender data. I would want all these pieces of augmented data. I would want to combine them and then basically pay on how much data I'm using. And I would not want to be charged uh, for, say, individual pieces of data. And that also kind of benefits those data management uh, platforms as well who are actually providing that data on, on the trade desk platform. So again, um, that was something like um, like Solimar has sort of uh, enabled um, their clients to do. And obviously like OpenPath, OpenPath was a, a very sort of a, a new announcement where um, what TradeDesk did was basically they kind of helped um, their advertisers directly connect with the publishers, right? So again, like we might think of them bypassing the SSPs here, but at the same time, they're not trying to be an SSP just because with SSPs, they give a lot of features like say yield management uh, and stuff like that, where in this case, the publishers are kind of going to be doing the yield management part of things. And this only applies to say the bigger sort of a publishers, but Again, this is they they reiterated during their call and they reiterated like multiple times that they are not kind of trying to kind of go over becoming an ad server or an SSP. They are just strictly trying to kind of connect the publishers directly with um, with with the advertisers here. So those are the things that I kind of um, saw um, in 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 their earnings calls. Yeah. Okay, that no, it's a great overview. Again, it is uh, it is technically uh, it's a little complicated, but in general, is the goal for Trade Desk to allow someone to advertise in as many spots as possible, combined with strong analytics, mm-hmm. combined with successful advertising, and also with you know driving down prices. Is that kind of the four main goals they want to compete with a Facebook or a Google? Yes. Absolutely. Like the, the analysis and the measurement part is, is the most important thing here because like when you run the campaigns, say on, on Facebook, then Facebook essentially is grading their own homework, right? So yeah. if Facebook tells you they delivered 100 impressions for this particular cohort, then you will have to trust them and, uh, and basically take their word, right? With you, you cannot basically measure as effectively as what you could do it on, on the trade desk. And obviously transparency is one of the key things that trade desk talks about. And you, you will get a lot of transparency when you are operating with um, the open internet versus with the wall gardens. Okay. And one more question here on Solom. I want to clear something up. Is that what the advertisers are interacting with now? Yes. Yes, and, and that's what like they, they talked about, right? 50% adoption on, on Solimar. That means that people like that means that the advertisers who are using the legacy platform, 50% of them have moved and started using Solimar in the last six months. Okay. All right. We I have a bunch of more questions, but before we get to them, uh, we're gonna take a quick ad break. This episode is brought to you by KPMG. As a business leader, how can you innovate, build trust, and move forward in a digital era? KPMG can help by bringing together the right talent and technologies, generating insights that spark opportunities. To explore their thinking, visit read.kpmg.us opportunities. 
This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Here you are, miles from home and ready to start your vacation. Good thing you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. They have free high-speed Wi-Fi to stream all your favorite movies. And in the morning, get fresh waffles with their free bright side breakfast. Or squeeze in a workout at their fitness center. Either way, you're ready to conquer the day. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you triumph. Book your stay at LQ.com. Okay, welcome back in. Deval and I and Brett were just discussing uh, kind of an interesting example, which is whatever advertisement you as a listener just listened to, that the trade desk was a big part of that value chain. So can you kind of describe the mechanics right there? And then I guess maybe more just your take, what do you think of audio as an opportunity? Right. So again, uh, the ad that you listen to at this point, you might be listening to this podcast on Spotify or Pocket Cast or any other player. So that player is uh, integrated with a supply side partner and that supply side partner sent that particular request to uh, multiple DSPs and those multiple DSPs, they work with their advertisers and those advertisers basically they said, we want to bid on this particular opportunity, given they saw um, what user, what type of user you are, what demographics you kind of fall into. And basically, they sent that ad to your device. And, and that's where you kind of got that ad in real time. What do you think of audio as a sort of addressable market for them? Yeah, so audio is is kind of big, but at this point, I would think connected TV is where everyone's focusing on audio. Uh, if I saw, um, it was only like fifteen percent of the spend for the trade desk, um, so not a not a huge percentage in terms of um, the the segregation of spend within the trade desk, but. I would think there's there's opportunity there, but again, like most of the advertisers are are wanting to uh, kind of deliver those ads on on connected TV. Okay, and the the CEO Jeff Green said that I believe at one point he said they're going after sort of a trillion dollar addressable market, and it right. sounds like CTV is a big part of that. Um, where where exactly do you think the majority of that addressable market is going to come from, and then? On on the CTV aspect, what do you think? How big do you think that market could be in the coming decade? Right. So again, like there's there's multiple things to it. So uh, I the numbers that I saw and these numbers were still like old numbers, but like two hundred and fifty billion dollars of TAM is just in linear TV. So that all would kind of shift to say connected TV eventually over time, right? So maybe in the next five years, we'd see like basically everyone kind of move away from linear to, to connected TV. And again, like if you see, right, Magna, uh, they reported a global ad spend in 2021 was approximately like 710 billion and they're expecting it to grow like 12% every year. And with that, like if you see 12% every year, they hit like 1 trillion by 2025, right? So that's where the opportunity is. and 
from the trade desk perspective, CTV definitely is is huge just because like uh, we have seen in the last couple of years, like after COVID, like CTV has definitely taken off and the, the shift in the user's behavior, right? So people move from linear to connected TV. Connected TV is basically any content that you receive via the internet rather than the cables, right? Basically. Um, and uh, specific to trade desk again like with connected tv they see that the rise in inventory like constantly they are seeing like the inventory kind of keeps going up um and um obviously like ctv has been the largest driver for them in 2021 and they're expecting the same to continue for 2022 as well uh some numbers uh from trade desk like they saw like around 15000 advertisers spent on CTV using that platform in the last year. And uh, the number of advertisers with more than $1 million in spend on CTV doubled from 2020, right? So that's where like connected TV obviously is a, is a huge opportunity. But one thing that uh, like you, you didn't kind of ask me about, but want to kind of highlight here is shopper marketing. And shopper marketing specifically uh, Jeff Green talks about it like as a hundred billion uh, TAMs uh, by itself. And the shopper marketing is something where you must have heard about, say, Walmart kind of uh, partnering up with, say, Trade Desk to kind of help them build their own DSP and allow um, people, like, allow the advertisers basically to kind of um, like load their first party data there uh, on the Walmart DSP platform so that they could kind of uh, help um, sell those ads in, in a much better way. And again, like they, they kind of talked about one specific example, uh, which was um, like a men's and women's razor company, BIC. And uh, they use Walmart uh, DSP, which obviously is powered by Trade Desk, and uh, they achieved a return on ad spend uh, of just under five hundred percent. And then um, that was from the campaigns that 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 they ran in December of twenty twenty one. The industry standard uh, is two hundred and seventy percent, and they were like well above uh, that benchmark um, using that Walmart DSP. So. Again, uh, if you see, right, Walmart kind of uh, tying up with uh, Trade Desk now, they also kind of announced Walgreens also kind of uh, started using the Trade Desk DSP. And now, like, I think it's about time where you would see a lot of other um, retailers uh, kind of tying up with uh, companies like Trade Desk to kind of uh, have their own uh trade desk powered DSPs, right? Just because if they want to kind of build this DSP by themselves, uh, they cannot move as much fast. And obviously they want to catch up with the competition. So again, the, the best case here would be to kind of tie up with uh, a DSP, like a trade desk and um, and kind of um, move, move much more faster, right? So. Okay, I have a question on the connected TV spot. So if, do you think there's any threat that Roku could potentially become sort of like a walled garden just for that space? Or is it too, are they too sort of reliant now on demand side platforms like the trade desk? So Roku has their own uh, DSP, which they, they acquired, which is, which is DataZoo. So they already have their own DSP. So Roku has obviously 
the entire ecosystem built for themselves, right? So they are a, a, a wall garden in in one sense, but they are not a wall garden in 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 that way because with Roku you can still have the same measurement capabilities, the same attribution capabilities that you get with the open internet versus what you don't get with the wall gardens, right? So um, that's the the key differentiator here between say Roku and and other wall gardens. How much is spent on Trade Desk right now? Because you have the TAM at, say, a trillion, or it's going to be eventually. Can you give some context to how much money is flowing through Trade Desk platform currently? So with the Trade Desk platform, like I'm just going to open up the numbers. So uh, the Trade Desk, uh, the, the amount of spend that they saw um, this year for 2021 was around uh, six $6.2 billion dollars. Um, that's the amount of spend basically that kind of happened on the trade desk platform. And that uh, went up like 47% year over year, uh, 48% to be specific. Uh, trade desk actually, if you see on the revenue side, um, like $395 million for just Q4. And uh, for the entire year, they did a $1.1 billion revenue. This was the first time that they hit over a billion dollars in revenues for the entire year and just to give a context on like how much that like how much kind of uh, they increased their revenues they did a like they did uh, the revenue that they did in 2021 the entire year of 2021 is higher than the revenues they did in 2018 and 2019 combined mm. well yeah i mean they're growing they're growing uh, extremely quickly and they put up some durable growth and i mean there, it seems like the opportunity is quite large to continue with the $6 billion spend. Now, let's slowly transition. This one's going to be kind of a hybrid question, but we're going to slowly transition to advertising technology in general. So the big news, like you mentioned, has been the iOS changes and then the announced Android changes, which, correct me if I'm wrong, are almost the exact same as the iOS changes. How does that affect the industry? I know we talked about it a bit, but it's so important. I kind of want to talk about it again. And how does it affect the trade desk? Right. So uh, the iOS changes uh, were like they were announced um, in in the first quarter of 2021. Um, and with that, um, what happened was companies like face like with Apple changes, basically, they decided, OK, we would want an explicit confirmation from the user if their IDFA was supposed to be shared with these advertisers uh, by default it is turned off and that's where like um, majority of the people didn't kind of chose to enable those idfas right so now when you don't enable those idfas from your device um, the advertisers they lose the capability to target you at a user level right so the deterministic traffic that was earlier coming, like flowing through the pipes that suddenly kind of uh, was lost just because these IDs were, were not able, like people stopped kind of sending those IDs, right? So um, earlier before Apple actually uh, announced those changes, it was around say 50-50 um, of advertisers kind of going to iOS and going to Android, but after, uh, the changes kind of went in, like specifically with iOS 14.5, uh, 
the numbers kind of tilted like 70%, 30% in favor of Android because now the advertisers actually were getting the deterministic traffic from Android, but they were not getting deterministic traffic from, from I, iOS. So now like Google, they are trying to go the same route where um, they are trying to deprecate their Android ID and they have come up with a various uh, different uh, tools that are going to replace, uh, which are called Cytopics, Fledge, and their core attribution API. And again, like when these topics, Fledge and um, their API kind of get introduced, like they are still not going to go away immediately, like say iOS, where uh, they are going to take another couple of years for, for them to kind of roll this like develop test deploy to like majority of the devices, right? So again, um, the impact here is that once, once these IDs are lost, then where would these advertisers go? Because now advertisers are losing those key identifiers for targeting the users at an individual level, right? So again, if you see these money, right, uh, which went to say iOS and, and Android, basically Apple and Google and, and whatnot, these dollars could shift to the open internet, which is where you have UID 2.0 and IDL and, and whatnot, where you could still get that information for a particular user, right? At a, at a user level, and it's much more secure and you could kind of have a lot of capabilities on some measurement and attribution and, and whatnot, right? So that's where I'm seeing these things kind of shifting um, in this space. Are there any other, I guess, major trends that you're seeing in advertising today? Like, is there maybe a direction that is it, is it kind of fading away from the wall of the gardens? Is there just, what are you seeing uh, in the space? Yeah, so those are the trends that I'm seeing uh, specifically on on the privacy side, where like Trade Desk is obviously uh, pushing for U UID 2.0, and obviously if you see right, they they announced a lot of partnerships in in 2021 with the SSPs, with the data partners, with publishers, like you name it, right? Uh, Publicis, Xander, Fubo TV, uh, Snowflake, um, Omnicom Group, and, and, and whatnot, right? So uh, that's definitely one thing that I'm seeing where they are pushing for a lot of um, like UID 2.0 uh, adoption. Um, in the industry specifically, but at the same time, when we are losing all these identifiers, right? What I am kind of seeing is the budgets will start shifting from your Facebook, Snapchats, and the Pinterest of the world to these open internet companies. Um, and and again, if you saw like Trade Desk very recently announced um, a, a tie-up uh, or a partnership for uh, the EUID, which is the European UID, Obviously, there's GDPR in, in 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 European countries, so obviously they would need to come up with a solution which would kind of uh, be in line with the the GDPR. And um, what Trade Desk is doing here is it's working with LiveRamp on the development and deployment of the EUID. Uh, Trade Desk will lead the creation of the EUID, but 
uh, LiveRamp will be responsible to provide the essential infrastructure um, with their authentic traffic solution. So obviously those are the things that I'm, I'm seeing uh, and I'm kind of excited about like where we are seeing this, this space go specifically for like from the identity and the privacy perspective. Now, one thing that I want to highlight here again is these identity privacy changes, nothing applies to connected TV. And, and that's where like connected TV is, is so important here just because when you are on a Roku TV, right, basically you already are logged in. So they already have the, your information with your email addresses that you are the one who is watching this. They don't need any sort of uh, like identifiers like cookies or IDFAs or nothing like that. And that's where like that becomes a huge proposition uh, in terms of like where the ad dollars could be flowing. And obviously all of this would benefit a company like a trade desk. Uh, what are the competitive landscapes out there for SSPs? You talk about how they're integral part. You know, you have DSPs connecting the SSP, you, SSPs. You went through that um, four-step process. I mean, who's leading that side? You mentioned Pubmatic, Magnite. Is there anyone else? Uh, Magnite and Pubmatic are the leaders here in, in the space. Uh, Magnite specifically on the connected TV front um, because like they acquired like Spotex and Telaria that gave them that specific advantage on, on the connected TV side. Uh, Pubmatic obviously has been taking the market share from Magnite and they have been focused on say something called supply path optimization. So obviously like Magnite and Pubmatic are the two big players here. And, uh, and yeah, I, I do think um, those, will, those two companies will continue leading on, on the SSP side. Okay. And I want to get to this final question here. And I think you talked about it with us on the show before and you ranked, say, the leaders in the open advertising industry. And you had Roku number one, Trade Desk number two, Magnite number three. Does that still apply today? And why these three <laughs> over <laughs> anyone else? <laughs> so yeah, like I would think uh, Trade Desk and Roku could be flipped here. So Trade Desk okay, would be the number one here, Roku number two, and and Magnite and Pubmatic maybe the three, uh, both of them tied together at three. Um, but yeah, with Roku, they have, they have had their own set of challenges off late with all these supply chain issues. And again, if, if they are not able to kind of uh, increase their active users just because they are marred by the supply chain, then obviously that would kind of impact the engagement rates and obviously bring down their ARPU, right? So obviously like with Roku, um, I saw that um, they were not able to kind of reach their own revenue estimates, uh, let alone the, the analyst estimates. So again, Roku was a very high conviction position uh, maybe a year before, but now like the execution has lacked. And obviously the, you must have seen like a very key uh, person from the team uh, actually is leaving like Scott Rosenberg. And I was uh, hopeful that he was the one who take over um, the, as the CEO role once like Anthony Wood would retire, but that's not going to happen. So obviously that kind of brings in a, a lot of uncertainty there too. But again, Roku, like the story is intact, uh, connected TV, um, like the tailwinds for connected TV is still there, but 
and the supply chain issues um they, they they cannot control the pricing of the tvs right and they obviously moved into uh creating their own content which was um, a, a big question mark and now i'm i'm kind of hearing the rumors that they are kind of trying to build their own tvs so i am not sure like what direction they they want to go but with trade desk like you have a very easy sort of a thesis there and and they are trying to go in 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 a direction and and not trying to kind of diverge from where they kind of set for so obviously trade desk is a much higher conviction position at this point compared to roku but that could obviously change depending on how the the execution kind of goes in in the next year or so so i'm kind of watching both of them i still still hold both of them so yeah no that's that's a great overview of why that's it, it kind of shows why trade desk stock is probably held up versus roku's recently now yeah. you spend a lot of time in the investment community uh, especially on Twitter, you know, you're active on there a lot and advertising is a really popular topic. What, what do you think like most investors do not understand about the industry that's say actually vital. And there's kind of these misconceptions out there. Cause I, I know I had a ton of them even before talking to you today. Right. So again, what I would see is people kind of like to club all the ad tech companies into a single bucket, but i would think okay you should not kind of look and and put in say all the companies into into the same bucket so i would put say facebook snapchat pinterest in in a different bucket compared to your uh, trade desk and the roku of the world because they like even though like all of those companies are an advertising company they are not the same companies one of the bucket would be your wall gardens one of the buckets would be your open internet and the issues that the wall gardens are seeing right now that do not apply to the your trade desk and and your rokus of the world right so obviously when you are trying to to look at a company's result and and then see okay this company is facing this issues now this company would also face this issues that's not how this works right so ios impact facebook snapchat pinterest all of them had like the idfa like the impact and facebook uh, obviously they they kind of talked about how much uh, they are expecting to lose maybe over say 10 10 billion dollars due to the loss of idfa whereas trade desk comes and says yeah we we are seeing no impact due to idfa changes and again like i would think with the idfa changes that kind of went in and with the android changes that are going to go in the the open internet companies are going to benefit instead of uh, instead of having them like any sort of potential issues with those companies. So that's where I'm trying to kind of position myself and, and trying to make sure that like people should not be putting them in the same bucket. Like that's where I would kind of uh, begin with. <laughs> what would have to happen for you to like question your position in the trade desk? Like, is there anything where you'd be like, all right, that's really concerning to me. Right. So, Again, like if you kind of see like with traders, right? They keep talking about like almost the same kind of topics in their quarterly earnings call. And that's where kind of I kind of keep reviewing. So obviously they talk about CTV, they talk about Unified ID 2.0. They talk about like shopper marketing. They've started talking about shopper marketing since the last two quarters. They talk about international. And international is again, like a very key component to like, the growth of 
um of of traders because like right now the highest amount of growth is going to come from international and again like i i kind of saw a report from magna where they're saying the strongest growth uh, obviously in apac would come from say india philippines china malaysia and traders has already penetrated in those regions and specifically like china where all these like companies like facebook and and google like they are not even allowed in in those regions whereas trade desk is is obviously kind of right there so again when you when you start seeing trade desk going into international and and then trying to succeed there obviously that kind of would be a great thing but if we see issues in the international growth then like we don't know where the international growth like where the growth would come from right so international is one thing that i'm kind of keeping my eyes on uh specifically uh and obviously like uid 2.0 adoption that has gone a long way but again that's obviously a risk and the other risk factors are uh the relationships with the the agencies uh, specifically so if you see um like two of the agencies they are kind of like 10% of their revenue so each of them is 10% of their revenue so obviously if losing one agency would be a significant uh, sort of impact on on trade desk and uh, that would kind of make me sell yeah okay i think that's all the questions we have brett do you have any more I don't uh default where can people find you? Uh they can find me on Twitter uh, at double underscore Kotecha. Uh and uh, I have a blog as well uh on my website like doublekotecha.com and I kind of write about um a lot of um ad tech stuff there too. Perfect. All right. Well, we want to remind our listeners that we are not financial advisors. Brett and I are not financial advisors. Anything we say or discuss here on Chit Chat Money is not formal advice or recommendation. We are, however, general partners at Arch Capital, so clients may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.